Welcome to Stop Overthinking, the podcast for overthinkers, people pleasers, and perfectionists who want to feel calm and confident enough to handle whatever life sends your way. I'm your host, Kristen Odegaard, a women's life and mindset coach, lifelong educator, and recovering perfectionist. Welcome back to the Stop Overthinking podcast. This is episode 28, when you are feeling frustrated. And I'm just going to start out by saying I just recorded this entire 30 minute podcast without turning the microphone on. So I am actually just coming off about of feeling a little bit frustrated. All right, diving in. I'm going to start with a different example, just to give some context. So last week, I was sitting in the living room, reading some background material for work, taking notes. It's quiet. It's my favorite room in the house. I'm comfortable. My son comes in and sits in a recliner across the room, and he starts watching some videos, YouTube, TikTok, whatever. And my kids know, like, I can't handle the sound of their videos when I'm trying to concentrate. This is not new information for them. So I ask him, hey, turn it off, mute it, whatever, get your earbuds. And he doesn't want to get up, doesn't want to get his earbuds, and he turns it down for about a minute. And then he apparently can't hear it and turns it back up again. So now I'm feeling frustrated because it was quiet. I was getting work done. I was looking forward to another hour of uninterrupted time. I'm thinking my son could just go to his room. He can go to the TV room. He could put in his earbuds. And so now he's annoying me and I'm feeling frustrated. And frustration comes from unmet expectations. So we have our current situation. And along with that, we have past experiences, generally that time of day, it's quiet in my living room, uninterrupted time to get my work done. Not to have to stop and start and remind my teenage son for however many times to be quiet. Could I have gotten up and moved to another room? Yes, but I didn't want to either because I was there first and I had built this up in my mind. I had an expectation. And this is not a life or death situation, certainly, but this happens in so many aspects of our life. There is an expectation of how people should work together, how to treat others, how you want to be treated. And when those things don't happen, you might feel frustrated. You can feel frustrated with yourself when you want something and you try it, but it doesn't happen. So that can also lead to feeling frustrated. Maybe it's something as simple as wanting to eat more vegetables or get more sleep or be more patient with others. And when you don't meet those thoughts about yourself, you can become frustrated with yourself. So unmet expectations often lead to frustration and those expectations come from all different aspects of our life from our upbringing, the way that you were raised. It's about your beliefs and your values. And it can even be things like your past experiences when they were either positive or negative. In a work scenario, maybe you worked for a company that had an amazing culture, was open, transparent, you all had fun together. And a new leader came in or you're at a different facility or something. Now it's task focused and tactical. And you're frustrated because you are comparing it to a past experience and it's not meeting your current expectations on your mind about a work environment. 
You may have expectations from other types of, of negative experiences in your life. With parenting, it's often like, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to discipline my kids that way. I'm not going to force certain foods. So you had negative experiences and you have built expectations from that perspective. So when our expectations are not met, it often leads to frustration and sometimes even anger and resentment. Because when we are feeling frustrated, we make judgments and we tend to act urgently because it's hard to act logically or kindly when you're in the heat of the emotion. This is so common when you are out driving the car. You probably don't even know the other people on the road, but you can feel frustrated if they're not following your expectations, going the speed that you want them to, or maybe they let too many other people in, or they wait too long at a stop sign, or are taking too long to turn. You have expectations based on your past experiences of driving that route or the rules of the road, whatever's going on in your life. And we know that people get frustrated and people show their frustration on the road. It might look like hand gestures or honking the horn. You might uh, get dirty looks or even aggressive driving to get away from another driver. People are feeling frustrated, they make judgments, they act urgently. And it stems from the fact that other people aren't meeting their expectations. So we can observe this with others, but of course we do this individually too. Can you think of the time when you made a judgment about someone or a situation from feeling frustrated because they didn't meet the expectations you had for them? expectations that that other person may not have even been aware of. So going back to the living room and me wanting my quiet time to get work done, when my son came in and then made noises or his videos made noises and interrupted me several times, I was making a judgment. He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't respect my quiet time. He's just coming in doing whatever he wants. I'm assuming thoughts about what he's thinking and what his motivation is. But I also had to acknowledge that he wasn't aware of my expectation that I wanted quiet time for another hour. I didn't tell him that initially because there are certainly times when I welcome my kids coming in. Heck, they're teenagers. Sometimes I'm really grateful that they wanna come in and have a conversation with me or even sit in the same room with me. But that was not the case in this moment, but he didn't know it. So with this increased frustration, we often have this tendency to think it's more urgent than it really is. So we're not pausing, we're not thinking logically or considering what might be going on for them. And acting in the moment, saying things that you maybe haven't considered, often causes more problems than it would if we just paused, sat back and thought about it for a moment. And this is often true in parenting and other ways of disciplining your child. You have expectations that your children will do what you ask in a certain amount of time. Maybe it's getting ready for bed or finishing homework or picking up their room. Even when the kid knows it needs to be done at a certain time or perhaps it's a routine, so it's not new. But in some way, the expectation isn't met for you. And many parents make a judgment at that time. My child isn't listening to me. They aren't respecting me. They don't care about schoolwork. We make these judgments that may or may not be true. And then we pair it with acting urgently, reacting from emotion, instead of an intentional response 
based on what we are really seeking. And what is it that we are seeking? What is the end goal? I'm going to talk about that in about five minutes. When we act urgently, lose our patience, lose our temper, which ultimately is about this feeling of losing control. And we act urgently to try and regain control again in that moment. But really, is it about the homework or is it about the room? Okay, or is it more about the daily or weekly struggle about organization and getting work done? Or is it that your friend's kid seems to have it all together and great grades and doesn't need to be reminded or told what to do? You're adding in layers of expectations, judging yourself, judging your child, comparing to your friend, and then you have an expectation and a goal, but you don't even know how to get there. So then you feel more frustrated. So frustration comes from so many places. You know this. It's the combination of unmet expectations about our current situation, our past experiences, and our future expectations, and then wanting a desired outcome. And when that outcome doesn't happen, it's really normal to feel frustrated. Most of the time, people don't want to feel frustrated. They want to feel happy. And when you're happy, it often means that you have attained a goal. Your needs are met. Your expectations are met. And on the flip side of that is when there are barriers to meeting your goal, keeping you from getting your expectations. That's the anger and frustration. So how do you reframe your current situation, the past experiences, or your future expectations to better get to your desired outcomes? I have five things to do when you are feeling frustrated to help you overcome frustration, understand the motive, and learn how to still meet your goal when there are obstacles in the way. First, ask yourself, what is the story that you're telling yourself? What are you making the situation mean? This is important when you're in the middle of a situation, but it's also challenging. Where are your feelings coming from? So you need to stop and step away and identify why you're so frustrated in the moment. Back to my son in the living room, I began making up a story in my mind. I was drawing conclusions and making his actions mean something to me. And when you have all of these thoughts um, just kind of swirling and it's like, what is this all about? I like to think of it as moving through a funnel. So you have all the thoughts up at the top and you're narrowing it down just by asking why. Asking why about four or five times. Why am I thinking this? What am I making this mean? Why am I thinking this? And we ask that several times to get to the core thought, which usually has to do with not feeling liked, not feeling loved, or not feeling respected. When you find that underlying thought, you'll likely realize that the thought has nothing to do with the other person. It's all about you and your feelings. And while those are totally valid, it's a story that you're telling yourself about what the other person is maybe thinking, and it's rarely true. And these stories often even fuel the fire of frustration, and they're not true. So ask yourself, what is the story that I'm telling myself? Number two, pause and think before you react. At times, when we're feeling frustrated, we often feel this intense need to stand up for ourselves or to fix things immediately. But sometimes the problems we create are a direct result of our imagination, right? Do, what's the story? So 
in my household, I the children are responsible for emptying the dishwasher. This is a regular chore. They have a short timeline to get it done, like an hour when the cycle is done. Otherwise, uh, dirty dishes pile up in the sink, and I can't stand that. Everybody knows this. But the kids are often caught up in other things and frankly don't prioritize putting away dishes. So I can yell, I can threaten, I can give warnings, I can take away privileges. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have expectations and timelines for our kids. But it's also important to pause and think about what you are going to say, how you're going to say it, and does this lead to the end result you desire? I don't want to yell and threaten and parent my kids from feeling guilty or in fear of my reactions. So I have to pause and remind myself of that so I can think about what I want to do in that moment to maintain the connection with my kids, remind myself that I'm raising humans to think for themselves, and yep, there might be consequences for their actions. In the last episode, uh, I talked about parenting with Chris Peterson, a love and logic facilitator. And one of the strategies with the love and logic approach is to pause and to delay consequences because we know that we don't make good decisions from an emotional reaction and children don't learn and process what we're saying when they are emotionally flooded. So allowing a pause to think and to consider and this might be 30 seconds or one day or one week but it takes away the urgency of acting in the moment. And while there are moments when time is of the essence, you still have the ability to pause and think about what kind of parent you wanna be, how you want to respond rather than to react. I think this is crucial as a parent and as a former teacher and a high school coach, the manner in which we respond to them when things don't go the way we expect them to shapes the way that these children are going to respond to us as they grow up. And this is true with relationships with other adults as well. But we can often see the example more clearly from a parenting or teaching perspective because most of us have that experience of at least growing up and being parented. Many parents, including me at times, are more reactive in response rather than proactive. Instead of setting expectations on the front end, telling them how to do it, when to do it, and then recognizing the child when it's accomplished, we wait and react when it isn't done the way in which we expect. And while children and even some adults, hello all you people pleasers, they may do what you want. They're doing it from a motivation of avoiding a negative reaction, not one that they are learning from and being responsible. The motive is off. And so this leads to having to give more warnings, threats, or guilt trips. And the children are not doing these things when you're not present. They're only doing it to avoid a certain reaction from the parent, not because they learned a skill or they're becoming more responsible or they want to change their behaviors. And this is also true with adults. You need to pause and think about responding and deciding how to handle a situation instead of just being reactive. So let's say you want your partner to do more with picking up the house in the evenings and you don't want to have to ask all the time. And maybe you've said it enough that you need help and you shouldn't have to do it all and you shouldn't have to ask for help every day. And you've been angry and feeling frustrated and feeling crabby often enough that your partner goes through the motion sometimes but the motivation isn't necessarily to help you or to want to pick up space. Their motivation is to avoid your emotional outburst. 
And this isn't a motivation that builds partnership or connection. You might get your end result. The chores might get done. But if resentment is building between the two of you, is that really meeting your goals? Is it really your end desire to want your partner to avoid making you mad? Or would you rather have an end goal of a strong and healthy relationship? So in this case, pause and consider, how do I get my partner to want to do things with me and for me? So if you're now realizing that you have been that mom, that friend, that wife that reacts and wants others to fall in line, now you know, and you can make changes. And if you are the person who is reacting and people pleasing and acting from fear of avoiding someone else's reactions, that is a hard place to be. But again, you have the ability to change the dynamics of the situation. Perhaps you have a conversation when emotions are calm and you say something like, I want us to have a great relationship. I want you to be happy and not feel frustrated. But sometimes I don't know what you're thinking or expecting. And if I don't know what they are, then I don't know how to help you meet them. So if you come at it from the perspective that you're on the same team as two players coming together to meet the desired goal, as opposed to being on separate teams and just needing to win. So that's a really long explanation of number two, pausing and thinking and before you react and why it's so important. Number three, see it from another point of view. When your child doesn't pick up whatever you ask them to, or your partner is late again, your coworker is not pulling their weight, try and see it from another point of view. You're going to ask yourself, what is the story that you're telling yourself? You're going to pause. But with that story, is it really true? What are they thinking? Is it really true that they don't think that you're important or they don't respect you? Usually, no. In your frustration, you might be able to convince yourself that it's true, and you might be able to justify a whole lot of things that aren't true, which leads to more worry and anxiety and fear. Our brains are wired to be negative to think of what might happen and how we can react to be safe. But those aren't appropriate reactions in this day and age in a lot of situations. So we need to pause. Number two, we gather our logical thoughts. And when we want to see it from another perspective, it can be really helpful. I think of it as being curious. And I think things like, what could be going on for them in order for them to behave that way? What could they be thinking about that this makes sense? And when you see things from another perspective, when you are curious, you will gain more insight and realize that your current automatic pattern of thinking isn't always true. It's just thoughts. It isn't the only way to think. And you become open to changing your thought patterns and your judgments and your need for urgency. So number three is to see it from another point of view. Number four, decide if it needs to be addressed and does it need to be addressed now? This is closely related to the other ones because we're going to pause so we don't react emotionally. We don't want to make things more urgent than they really are. But it bears another reminder to consider that many situations are more emotionally charged when trying to address it now instead of taking time to think it over whether that's minutes, hours, overnight, or over a week. Very few things are emergencies, and they can hurt your relationships by acting emotionally and urgently instead of acting intentionally. 
addressing it immediately in the moment, your mind will tell you it can't wait. The emotions are too intense and you need to tell the other person something rather than you're pausing, you're thinking about it from another point of view. And it provides time for you to allow the emotion and not react from it. And this is also true for the other person. They have time to go through all this process too. And almost always with that time, intentionally thinking if it needs to be addressed and when, the conversation will almost always go better. Are there times with your small children that you need to act sooner because their safety is in danger? Yes, and then do so. Use your judgment. But often with your spouse, friends, family, coworkers, other adults, it's different. They are not children. Your partner's not a child and treating them as such doesn't lead to healthy relationships. So taking time to decide if this is something that needs to be addressed, then ask yourself, what is your end goal? Is your end goal to tell the person that they were wrong? Is it that you just need to defend yourself because you don't feel heard? Those conversations generally don't go well. But if your end goal is to be closer or to find compromise, that's a great goal. And like with my teens, my goal is often connection. So that is going to guide my conversation in terms of when to address it so that I'm not emotionally reacting, that I've had time to consider it from another point of view, that they've had time to calm down, whatever that is. So what is your end goal and does it need to be addressed right now? Fifth and finally, we want to respond with love, kindness, and respect. Timing and tone are critical elements of difficult conversations. We also know that our thoughts and our feelings are going to play into that tone that comes out. And often all of this just gets lost. People are unkind, they're defensive, they're critical and judgmental. And yet when a person acts that way to you, you don't have to follow them. You can choose to be kind and respectful or loving no matter what the other person is doing. I know this is challenging. I coached two people this week that have difficult relationships with another person in their life and not talking with them is not an option. And when that person comes at them and they're being petty or critical or just seems mean, they want to lash out and respond likewise. And we talked about this process because they get to be who they want to be and someone else's emotions aren't theirs. Having solid relationships means lots of listening, empathy, and also being humble. Too many times we enter into the conversation already set on our opinion, what we want to say to the other person, even though we haven't taken the time to ask them what they were thinking or feeling. And when you take the time to get yourself in a place to be loving, to feel kind, you are listening, you're seeking to understand the other person rather than just for you to be understood. You might be listening more than you're talking and that's okay because it's not about being right. It's about being kind or loving or respectful. And this doesn't mean that you don't address your issues. You've gone through the other process. You decide that you need to address it. This one is how you go about it. 
if it's your child, getting down at eye level with them and asking questions and talking to them shows them that you value them more than yelling at them from across the house. You can still be firm and loving at the same time. You can give corrections and model to them how to handle frustration. The same thing with an adult. You get to decide what is the outcome that you want and you are controlling your part of the conversation. And you can be kind, you can be loving, you can be respectful regardless of what anyone else is doing. So those are our five steps. Lastly, I just want to mention, if you are feeling frustrated, do not respond to the situation through text or email. A minority of all communication is the actual words. So much is the nonverbal component, such as your tone of voice and the body language and facial expressions. And that is critical to sticky situations. And if you're dealing with frustration, chances are these are some sticky situations or difficult conversations. So if you are feeling frustrated, even if you go through these steps and decide to address it and your intention is to be kind, I encourage you to at least have a phone discussion, if not face-to-face -face on this issue. Again, consider your desired outcome because often texting isn't gonna be conducive to that goal. I gave you a ton of information today and I'm gonna recap these steps one last time so that you can solidify them in your mind and use them the next time you are feeling frustrated. So remember, frustration comes from unmet expectations. So know what those expectations are. And then ask yourself, what is the story that you're telling yourself about you, about the other person, about the situation? For clarity and perspective, recognize this is a story and that your thoughts might not be true. And then we're going to pause and think before we respond. And part of that thinking, part of that pausing, we want to see it from another point of view. Be curious. And again, question, these are my thoughts. Are they really true? Then we're going to consider, does it need to be addressed at all? And does it need to be addressed now or when? There are very few emergencies. And if the relationship is important, take time to decide when you're going to have that conversation. And when you have that conversation, you are responding with love and kindness and respect even if the other person is not. So if you found this helpful today, please share it with a friend or on your social media so that others can listen as well. Have a great week and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Stop Overthinking Podcast with Kristen Odegaard. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone else who would benefit from the message. To learn more about working with me and links to social media and free resources, head over to my website, coachwithkristen.com. That's Kristen spelled K-R-I-S-T-E-N. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. Have a great week.